Good morning. What I thought about doing was saying, I've changed the topic for this morning, but uh, I don't want to scare y'all. I have not. No, I haven't done that. We've got to be careful about what we consider proof texts. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, you can, you can say something and quote it directly from the Bible, and it won't be right. And I'll give you a couple examples. In John chapter 9, there's a man that Jesus heals of blindness. And, and there's a big controversy. I mean, uh, they, they want to kick him out of the, of, the, of the synagogue. And they go to his parents and they say, yeah, he's your son. Did, did, you know, did Jesus heal him? And they say, well, you better ask him. Uh, he's of age. And, and he, they go back to the guy who was healed of, of, of blindness and he says this, we know God does not listen to sinners. Well, if you pull that out and you say, well, <laughs> the Bible says we know that God does not listen to sinners, you could be teaching falsehood. Because anybody in here not a sinner? Uh, I think you would hope that God would listen to your prayer. Then there's the story of, of Job. I, I like Job. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I, I just finished reading his book uh, on Job and uh, the book of Job. And, and uh, you know, he, he comes before these friends, and I put friends in quotation marks. Uh, they, they, they go a week. He is in such bad shape. They go a week before they even say anything to him. They are just appalled at the way he looks. He's lost everything. And, and they, 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 they finally come to him, and, and each one of them, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, they, they start saying, and, and in essence, well, Job, what'd you do? And Job says, I didn't do anything. I, I, I've been blameless. I have followed God. I've done everything that he said. And, and everyone, they take turns just... You know, well, now wait a minute, Job. You've done something because God wouldn't do that to you if you hadn't. And finally, this guy named Elihu stands up. And he says, you know what, you guys, he said, I don't like you. You guys have not been honest with Job. And he says this, God is mighty. But God despises no one. He's mighty and firm in his purpose. He does not keep the wicked alive, but he gives the afflicted their rights. He does not take his eyes off the righteous. He enthrones them with kings and exalts them forever. But if people are bound in chains, held fast by cords of affliction, he tells them what they have done that they have sinned arrogantly. He makes them listen to correction and commands them to repent of their evil. And if they obey and serve him, they will spend the rest of their days in prosperity and their years in contentment. But if they don't listen to him, they will perish by the sword and die without knowledge. All right, so if you take that passage of Scripture... And you pull it out of the context that it's in. 
you're going to say, well, if you want to have prosperity, follow God. But you know as well as I do, there are people, there are evil people out there who do nasty, evil things, and they are blessed economically. In fact, it seems that life really isn't fair because these people continue to prosper. So I know what you're probably saying at this point, Jim, what does this have to do with the lesson today? Well, I love this story that was read earlier. Jesus is in a house and he's teaching people and, and I'm sure he's healing people. And these four guys with their friend who is paralyzed and, and the, the, the paralyzed man is on a mat. And, and you can just see this, this, this crude mat that they're carrying and, and trying. And they come to the house and they can't get in the house. You know, I can just hear, excuse me, and, and you've experienced this before. Try to go eat somewhere that's real popular. Uh, you want to get in and, you know, it's like, man, I can't even get in to get my name in. Well, that's kind of what's going on here. They can't even get in the house. I would love to hear the conversation that went on. Well, if we can't get in that way, let's go in the roof. And so they go up the side of the house and they start tearing away the stuff that the roof is made of. Now, go inside the house and see Jesus as he's talking and all of a sudden, something comes down and hits him on the head. And then something else. And then pretty soon you see dust and things and Jesus looks up and he sees a hole. And they've got to make a sizable hole in this thing to get a guy in a mat down through there. And then they lower him down. Now, I want to tell you something. If you can find four friends like that, don't let them go anywhere. Because it's just amazing to me what they have done. They bring this guy to Jesus. Well, I wonder what this paralyzed guy has done. These four friends lower him, and what are Jesus' first words? From Mark chapter 2, he says this. Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I wonder, I wonder if, and, and we... We kind of touched on this, but the, the basic thought of the day was that if you did something wrong, then God would punish you in some kind of physical way. He would either take away your possessions, he would either take away your health, he would do something along those lines. And I'm wondering if, if that's the prevailing thought of, uh-oh, here comes this guy, and everybody in the room is thinking, Oh, this guy must have really done something bad. And the first things out of Jesus' mouth is, your sins are forgiven. What's he done? I think it goes beyond that. And Jesus tells him, 
to take up his mat and go home. Let's read the story again from Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. This is another one. I'm sorry. This is another story. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in that town who had lived a sinful life. I think that's interesting. A sinful life. Some people call her a prostitute. Learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. And so he came there with an, she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man knew, if he was a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. I hear the music at this time. Dun, 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 you know. And Jesus answered him. Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. And one owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back, and so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them loved him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And he says, you've judged correctly. And then he turned towards the woman and he said, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. And you didn't give me a kiss. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. And you did not put oil on my head. But she's poured perfume on my feet. And therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. As her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are are forgiven. I think we have this concept of God that he's sitting in heaven with a heavenly ledger keeping track of our sins. Uh-oh, that's a bad one. Oh, they did something good. Oh, that one deserves five. And at the end of our lives or when he comes again, he pulls out the heavenly ledger and he says, you know what? You had some, some really, really good things, but you also had some really, really bad things. In fact, the ledger says, away from me, I never knew you. And we say things like, well, you know, God is a God of justice. You know, when I was a young boy, I had this concept of God that he was going to strike us down at any moment. And I remember 
in a Bible class in York, Nebraska, Louise Hester. I don't know if any of y'all remember Louise. Louise Hester was teaching the class. And I forget if I brought it up. I was just a little boy. But I said something to her about Judgment Day. And I said, you know, I, I think Judgment Day, there's going to be lightning and storms. And, and it's going to be just, just one of those kind of days. And I'll never forget her response. She said, oh, no. Her face lit up. She had a smile on her face. She said, I think it's going to be a beautiful day. I think the sun's going to be shining. And she said, it'll be a wonderful day. You see, she understood. She understood that God is in the forgiveness business. In fact, the Bible says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting, and, and I want you to see this word, not wanting anyone. As far as I know, anyone includes everyone. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God doesn't want us to perish. He, want us, he wants us to come to repentance. And if you don't believe in his long suffering, look at the relationship that he had with the children of Israel. Look at the things that happened with them as they sinned over and over and over and over and over and over again. And he continued to forgive them. There was a time that he would finally come and say, that's it. But the only way you can really describe his reaction to them is long-suffering. And he does the same with us. And he sent his own son to die for us, for goodness sake. And we tend to quote John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But have we continued to read the passage in chapter 3 and verse 17 where he says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I see two aspects of forgiveness. The first is giving forgiveness. God forgives us. And I know we could get into a big discussion and, and it's, it's for another day. But we have to understand his grace and his mercy. And, and you know, there's going to come a time when perhaps God says, I've had enough. I just don't know where, when it is. But the first aspect is God giving forgiveness. And the second is us receiving forgiveness. There's story after story in the New Testament coming from Jesus about forgiving. Peter comes to him and says, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? And you see the good rabbi would say, all you had to do is forgive three times. So Peter says, three and three is six Oh, but don't like six because that's not a perfect number. Hey, let's add one more to seven and we'll say seven times. And Peter's probably looking around thinking, 
<laughs> you guys didn't think about that, did you? Seven times. How about if we forgive seven times? Twice as many as the rabbi says plus one. And Jesus says, no. You forgive 70 times seven. Jesus obviously wasn't saying 490 times. He was saying you forgive and you forgive and you forgive and you forgive. And then he tells the story of the unmerciful servant. Guy who owed all kinds of money and his master forgave him. And so he went out, he started getting other people that owed him money. And pretty soon, you know, he got back and, and the master says, what in the world are you doing? I forgave you of this huge sin and yet you're going out and you're getting people to pay you. And he throws him in prison in the model prayer. It says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sin, your father will not forgive your sins. But we want justice. We want God to give them what they deserve. Okay. Fair enough. How about you get what you deserve? Colossians chapter 3 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. And, and, and by the way, passages like this, I, I just get this calm feeling when I read them. Compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I don't think it's any debate in this room today that God has forgiven us of a multitude of sins. And he continues. In fact, in 1 John, it says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins. He's not saying you just do whatever you want. But he says, what I want you to do is walk in the light. And the word there in the, in the original language means it's a continual cleansing that he continues to forgive and to forgive. But the other aspect of this is receiving forgiveness. Now, this doesn't sound too hard, does it? And to some, it isn't. But to a lot of people, it is. Today, after services, some of you will go out and eat. And when you're done eating, the waitress, the waiter, will bring you a ticket and says, this is how much you owe. And what's going to happen is, you're going to get into an argument. You reach and the other person reaches and you sit there and it becomes a tug of war. I'm going to pay this. No, you're not. Yeah, it's my turn. No, it's not. And you get into an argument about this and what once was a nice cordial conversation has become a confrontation. I used to have to argue with my mother-in-law 
Don't ever do that, by the way. But I used to have to argue with my mother-in-law. We would rarely, rarely would we eat out. And if we ate out, it would usually be buy some pizza. And I would try to get to the door and, and pay for it. And she would say, no, Jim, you're not going to do that. And, and I mean, she would, I would get so mad at her. And she would take the money and put it in my pocket or put it somewhere else where, I mean, it was, it was literally a fight over this. Some people are like that in receiving forgiveness. I can't accept that. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm too bad. No, I can't accept that. And so that was the whole point of Luke chapter 7. This woman had forgiven so much that she was so grateful. And that's what should happen to us is gratefulness, gratitude. But instead what ends up happening is i got to pay for that. i got to work for that. I've got to put in more time on, on, the, on, on the evangelism committee. I've got to do more things. I've got to... to, to to burn out in his kingdom. God says, no, I, I want you to know you don't have to owe me like that. I've told you of people in my life that have been so kind and so gracious and you do want to pay them back. I had a coach in high school. Oh man, he'd make us run. Patrick, yeah, I can understand why people don't like track coaches, you know. Uh, he'd make us run. But you know what? I'd do anything for him. He's still alive, believe it or not. I'd do anything for him. Is it because that I feel a, a need that I have to do this and, and that, you know, I'll do it sneakily so he won't see me and that way he'll, you know, do something? That, no, that's not it at all. It comes from an attitude of gratefulness. Either way, don't carry it around. There are some people that carry their sin around and their forgiveness around in a bag and it just gets heavier and heavier by the day and they feel more guilty and more guilty and more guilty by the second. I'm no good. Maybe not, but Jesus is, and that's what grace is for. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. And in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one 
can boast. I want you to be forgiven. I, 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 I just, the song that comes to my mind just as I am, and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot. To thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, the Lamb of God, I come. In Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness. We have forgiveness of our sins. And he calls us to follow him. We're going to sing an invitation song here in just a moment. If you're struggling with that, uh, don't, don't let that happen. But if you want to get in contact, please, what shall we do? What shall we do to be saved? Peter said, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. He says, you'll be forgiven. If you need to do that today, would you come as we stand and sing this song?